Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the one and only Eric Henry of Horns247.com. And Eric, it is Monday of BYU week, and we have all kinds of chaos and calamity happening now in the Longhorn season, as if the Texas Longhorns injury list wasn't long enough with guys like Ethan Burke, Jalen Catalan, Ryan Watts, Jake Majors, Cole Hudson, Alfred Collins, Gavin Holmes, uh, Jed Bush. I'm leaving people out, but now we can add Quinn Ewers, the uh, starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns, who um, suffered an AC joint sprain, apparently on the sack that opened the final drive that uh, Quinn Ewers played. It was an 11-play drive. And he got sacked because JT Sanders whiffed on his block and he got ground into the ground by Nelson Caesar. Um, but he stayed in, he kept going. Then he decided to lower his left shoulder into David Aguebu, 250 pound fire hydrant. Um, not quite sure about the, maybe he was losing some of his senses at that point too, Eric Henry. Um, but now we're looking at Malik Murphy. The redshirt freshman who says he's six foot four, he's listed at six foot five. He's probably closer to six foot seven. And today we learned that he runs the auxiliary uh, speaker in the locker room. Eric, what are your thoughts on this as Texas prepares to play BYU, a team that owns Texas, BYU four and one against the Longhorns? And the one win that Texas has, they won 17-16 in 2011. The other four games, they've lost by an average of 24.8 points. This has not been a good series for the Texas Longhorns. And if you say BYU to most Longhorns fans who are probably my age or older, or I don't know, 40 and over, they're going to think Taysom Hill, they're going to get sweaty they're gonna think of Manny Diaz getting fired the day after the game Taysom Hill oh yeah I already mentioned him um Eric what are your thoughts on this Chip Brown you hit on a ton of things there let me just go ahead and kind of I like to throw it all out there Eric and let you just pick from the buffet listen it certainly is no shortage this is a golden corral uh, buffets worth Piccadilly's worth for a little throw, throw, throwback reference worth Cracker um, Barrel, Cracker Barrels Lube's. worth of uh, loot. There you go, there you go. Uh, it's now I'm I'm a, a, a new newly minted Texan, so of course that is fitting of topics to choose from. First off, for the folks at home, 
who don't get to be witness to Chip Brown's excellent investigative journalism. He has deciphered the fact that Malik Murphy is not 6'4 or 6'5, as he's listed on the website. He is indeed 6'6. And I say that half kidding, but no, it, it's it's actually pretty, uh, uh, you know, astute of Chip to kind of hone in on that because, you know, it just kind of goes to how big uh, of, a, of a specimen Malik Murphy is at 6'6, probably 240 pounds. And like we learned today, Chip, and, and I know it kind of came out in a bit of a joking kind of manner, right? You talked about the red shirt freshman, the California native being the mayor, quote unquote, of the locker room with the ox court, right? Which it's a big responsibility for an underclassman to have the ox. You know, Which he and, will defend even if he has to walk out mid-shower. And, and that is what we got from David Bender, who said mid-shower. He tried to switch up some of the Cali vibes, the YG, Nipsey Hustle, you know, some of that Cali swag that uh, that Malik's bringing. Malik said, nah, that's that, that when I'm on the ox, we're getting nothing but West Coast vibes. You know, I, I, I would love... Don't be but thinking yeah. just because I'm in the shower that you can't you can come messing with my ox cord, you know. I, I I would love to ask Malik if we do get a little bit of throwback, you know, California love, you know, a little bit of Dr. Dre and Tupac. But nevertheless, um, like I said, it, it came out in a sarcastic manner. But Chip, uh, how many players did we speak to today who spoke about the fact that uh, they really feel like they have a connection with Malik Murphy? We heard, you know, Michael Tapp say that he, that guy has a connection with virtually the entire locker room, right? And, uh, and, and I just think that's really telling. It, 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 it definitely, in my mind, speaks to the fact that, hey, you know, they probably want this for Malik just as much as he does in terms of him to have a good showing and to win and to keep this train moving, keep this thing going in terms of Texas' season and getting back to, uh, or I shouldn't say getting back to, you know, getting a, a potential rematch with Oklahoma. But Chip, I do want to, uh, you know, eventually with an Oklahoma team that also had a complete letdown uh, coming off of the Red River shootout off week as well. Yeah. Against against UCF. Absolutely. Against your I, Knights. I, I, against my Knights. Yeah. I, I, you know, some of the folks in Orlando are celebrating a moral victory. I'm not a, in, in, in that camp, but that's a different podcast. Chip, I do want to circle the bases and bring all the way back to where you started in terms of the injury. Because I want to get your, your thoughts on this, Chip. Uh, you know, you, you watched the game and saw it. What it has to feel almost, you know, it's disappointing to have your quarterback hurt. No doubt about that. But I, I said this to Jeff Howe in, in the press box. It, Chip, that play came on a max protection. It, it was two tight ends in staying to block. That is unacceptable. I'm not putting it squarely at, at the at the show, you know, the feet of JT Sanders, right? I mean, it, it, you know, there were three people on that side of the line. I mean, that just feels even more you know devastating chip to lose your quarterback is one thing right if it happened and, and it seems to be that it happened on the sack and not on the hit which was kind of what you know we, we assumed initially if it happens on a scramble that's one thing your quarterback's trying to make a play for his team trying to pick up a first down however nonsensical the decision is on, on you know 190 pound quinn yours to take on a 250 pound taking on a fire hydrant we can you can say all right that happened in the midst the emotions of a play trying to you know make something happen for his team but to have the injury happen as seemingly it did happen chip on a max protection that is disappointing chip so a lot there to chew on um definitely just want to you know pass it back to you and get your thoughts on that see if, if you did see it that same way in terms of 
it happening on a max break. Of course, as you said, JT did whiff on that block, but still, I mean, of all the scenarios that that shouldn't happen, it's when you have seven guys back there blocking for your quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was, I mean, they get up 21, nothing. Everybody's on fire. Everybody's playing well. You're thinking this is the game that Texas is going to, you know, Sarkeesian said they were pissed off about the lost OU. And you're like, oh, wow, they are pissed off. They're executing at a high level. But they relaxed. And Christian Jones talked about it today that we can't relax because once you lose your focus, it's hard to get it back. And it and it's almost like you're trying to put mercury back into a tube and, and they couldn't get it back. And offensively, they lost their rhythm defensively. And Quinn Ewers, that's like crazy because he was 17 of 18 passing at halftime. The running game, Jonathan Brooks was really good in the first quarter. They sort of went away from him. He had seven carries for 40 yards in the first quarter. And then he had seven carries like the next two quarters combined when the game went off the rails. I thought this was going to be a game of uh, similar to Kansas where you're going to pound it 50 times on the ground and, and just keep the other, you know, keep Donovan Smith off the field. Don't give him a chance to get hot. Didn't work out that way. He got hot. He starts chopping them up, crossing routes, Texas injuries, whatever. They couldn't stop him. And, and then there's, you know, Thin Quinn trying to lead his team back. And uh, and it's a seesaw nail-biting thriller all of a sudden. And Dana Holgerson, you know, may have gotten a bad spot um, there with a chance to score the tying touchdown and send the game into overtime. He's down on his knees slapping the ground. He's so mad. Maybe rightfully so. Jade Barron's coming in playing corner. Um, he was a break glass option. He had an injured ankle um, that they wanted to rest him. The coaches tell him, hey, you need to get that ankle taped up. You're going in. We are breaking the glass. It just, it, it was a win that felt like a loss, Eric. And, and now, Here's how this thing's going to play out in my mind with the Quinn Ewers injury. Either this team is going to take this as a wake-up call and they're going to sharpen their focus exponentially because they know they don't have a quarterback or maybe not. They haven't seen this quarterback go out on the field and, and light up a team like we saw Quinn Ewers go to Alabama and light up the Crimson Tide. So all the other guys are going to have to pick it up. There's going to be no room for relaxation, which I can't even like, I can't even believe that happened. Like this team, they make everything hard, you know, at times. Um, but Chip really quick, you know, because you said that you couldn't even believe that happened. It felt like all of the pieces chip, the first offensive play for Houston, Sam Brown has a ball right in his hands drops it terrence brooks thought about pass interference he reached out and then he pulled his arm back and thank goodness chip like, how many how many college football games have we seen where you know the team that's trying to pull off the upset 
they they missed their one big shot, right? That one haymaker they're trying to land. First play of the game is wide open. When that happened, I was like, okay, you know, this is everything is going Texas way. So I just wanted to to emphasize to your point, all the momentum was squarely in Texas's hands. Yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. And then, you know, look, there were we can go after the fake field goal and some of the play calling. We can go after Pete Kwiatkowski for playing off coverage instead of trying to get a jam on some of these receivers so they can't even get into their crossing routes instead of giving them just a free release to run these pick plays that they were running so effectively. Um, And we can get into all that, but the bottom line is what are they going to do to prepare for BYU? Because if you look at BYU on paper, like their offense doesn't scare you. Their rushing offense is gar. I mean, not garbage. It's, it's 120, 128th of 130. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Their total offense, 122nd. Their scoring offense is 73rd. You know, their defense is middle of the pack. They're 59th, giving up 24.3 points. But this is a BYU team that went to Arkansas and won. This is a BYU team that is demolishing people at home. And it's also a BYU team that got lit up at TCU, 44 to 11. And I think Texas just can't look at anything other than what's happening on the next snap. And now you've got Malik Murphy in there and I think, look, this kid could, he had NIL offers to go other places. He stayed because he thinks he's the most talented quarterback on the roster. Now he gets a chance to show it. The coaches have to, you know, call the plays. They talked about this today. Now we got to figure out what Malik Murphy runs best and feature a game plan that has all that in it. But this is a guy who believes in himself. He's got tons of confidence. I'm very intrigued to see how he handles this moment. And from the talk of his teammates, I mean, they're excited for him. I mean, this is like one player got scolded by John Bianco, the sports information director for saying, you know, has Malik Murphy been named the starter? No. Like it, it, I don't know. They like him. They like him a lot. The players like Malik Murphy a lot. I think they're going to play for him. And he's obviously made big plays. He made them in the spring game. He He's obviously making them in practice because they believe in this guy. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how he handles the moment. What if he's really good? You know, what if he's really good? Um, but it's, it's, this is, you know, we thought that Texas was going to come out with their knife sharp and, and gut Houston. They didn't, the injuries are piling up. Is it affecting their confidence? Is it affecting their confidence on defense? Because, you know, it sounds like Ryan Watts is coming back this week. That's what Sark gave us, you know, that impression from the hamstring injury. And Jody Barron was asked, do you miss Ryan Watts? And he's like, he's a six foot three boundary corner. Yeah, I've missed Ryan Watts. I mean, they there's some guys we're learning that, make this defense go and Ryan Watts is one of them. And 
Good God, I guess Jalen Catalan's the other one, Eric, because the safety play outside of Derek Williams, who had a nice diving PBU in the first quarter, it was a rough day for the safeties. And, you know, some of that was on the linebackers not getting their coverage depth in their in the zone coverage. They were dropping deep enough to take away that middle, um, you know, those middle in routes and they got to get that figured out because OU did the same thing. So the linebackers are up worried about the quarterback running. Well, you get a good quarterback. He's going to put it right between the linebackers and the safeties, which is what Donovan Smith did over and over again. Pete Kwiatkowski, Terrence Joseph, Blake Gideon, they got to get this stuff figured out because Texas is getting eaten alive uh, in the middle of the field in the passing game. Yeah, Chip, I, I want to try and check it on the fly, but I, I will have to do it afterwards because I, I want to go around the horn with you a little bit on some of the things you hit on. You know, you talked about Jalen Catalan potentially being a missing piece. And what I wanted to check on really quick was how many snaps Jaron Thompson played. We saw a lot of Keaton Crawford, a lot of Michael Taft back there at safety. And, and I'm not necessarily dismissing the, um, you know, kind of hypothetical you raised there in terms of Catalan being a missing piece. I think, you know, this Texas team is best when they have all their pieces, right? I, I think we can safely say that. But when you look at Jalen Catalan, out of the five safeties who, you know, kind of are in that platoon and rotate, uh, Catalan's like fourth. Uh, you know, Michael Taff uh, is right there. I believe the numbers are 135 and 125 snaps. I looked at them earlier today between Taff and Catalan. So it, it's kind of interesting. But Jaron usually, you know, has been that, you know, dynamic cover safety along with Derek Williams Jr. as you mentioned um want to swing it back to malik murphy you talk about being intrigued uh, in terms of what that may look like on saturday chip i'm intrigued to see what steve sarkeesian is going to look like on saturday we all know his you know reputation his his what he's known for as being a, a dynamic creative play caller right and uh, i i think sark revealed something when we talked this with him about the you know kind of preparation uh, and getting his quarterbacks ready, he said, look, you know, this isn't going to be a one-week thing all of a sudden where, you know, uh, we're scrambling and, you know, the 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 fire alarms, smoke alarms going off and we're trying to figure out how to game plan for Malik. Each week, each week on Friday, they sit down and they ask their quarterbacks, you know, what plays they like. So Sark did say that this has been seven weeks of kind of they have this Rolodex of what Malik likes to do. And I think it's interesting, Horns fans, you know, I'm a big believer and you can you know, kind of look at – some of my writing in, in terms of going back and looking at trends and history. And, and Steve Sarkeesian does have a history tip of having to late in the year turn to a redshirt freshman, highly touted quarterback who is making their first start. Go back to his time of Washington. Uh, here's a blast from the past. Nick Montana, the youngest son of Joe Montana, got his first career start against Oregon State under Steve Sarkeesian when uh, Keith Price went down. And then you can look two years How later. How do you do in that game? He, uh, they lost. He went 10 of 17 for an interception. Uh, I believe that was a rainy game. That effect, of course, no shock up there in the Pacific Northwest. The one that they did win was Siler Miles, uh, the former 24-7 sports four-star recruit. I believe it was the second-rated dual-threat quarterback in that class. Um, they won that contest uh, in 2013 when they had to break glass again when Keith Price went down with an injury. So, uh, Sark does have two, you know, experiences of having to turn to a younger quarterback making his first start, but I'm interested Chip, to see how Sark handles that. Right. I mean, in terms of, in my mind, you know, 
how expansive is the playbook? And of course, you know, I, I think Chip, most fans, especially Longhorn Nation or educated football fans understand, you know, this isn't Madden football, right? You don't go into every game with the entire playbook and then you just, you know, hit, <laughs> uh, we're going to go from a goal line to, you know, five wide, right? You, you tend to scale down the playbook each week as you install what you want, right? But my question is, how much of the playbook is truly available for Malik? And I wonder what that does with Steve Sarkeesian, someone who, as I led with, tends to be a really creative guy in the play calling. What does that do? So that is something I'm interested in. And the last thing before I flip it back to you, Chip, is this. You know, I think this being my first year here, uh, you know, in, in, in nearby and in downtown Austin, right about 10 minutes away from the 40 acres, kind of getting a feel for Texas football and, and, and you know, how to view this. Um, so I'm going to lean on you here, Chip. I wrote this Saturday. Is this glass half full? This team, as many of the players, Chip said post game last year, two years ago, they would have found a way to lose that game. Or is this, this team is not performing up to potential or is it the truth somewhere in the middle? I, I, I don't know. But I think, Chip, I'm leaning and learning and kind of embracing the idea of, okay, instead of measuring this Longhorn team against some standard that they have never shown yet, right? Because this team, let's call a spade a spade. They're super talented, but they have not won anything, right? In, in terms of, you know, a, a Big 12 title or anything further. They haven't done that. So instead of measuring them against something they haven't done, maybe – I should be measuring them against what they're showing on Saturdays. And I'm, I'm asking you that in the form of a question. I'm genuinely curious your thoughts as someone who has all these years of looking at Longhorn football. No, I think I think we have to measure them against a, a Big 12 title because Steve Sarkeesian came into the year saying, I like our team, I like our depth, I like our talent. He talked openly about winning the last big 12 title before they move on to the sec. He, he clearly feels like he has the team. Obviously now Quinn yours is going to miss some time. Um, but again, Malik Murphy had big NIL offers um, from two sec teams um, and chose to stay and bet on himself. And this is the moment. And, you know, Michael Griffin probably has echoed some of what I feel. Uh, Michael Griffin, the safety on the 05 National Championship team. You don't get teams like this very often. You don't get it where you have experienced leadership in every position group. You don't get it where you have future NFL talent, wide receiver, you know, on the defensive line, the offensive line, and obviously injuries have, have played a role, but still Texas, if they handle their business the rest of the way, probably gets the rematch with OU if OU handles its business. Um, and Texas needs them to handle their business. So they get a as high a ranked matchup. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, but this is this is a great window. And if, if this window closes, everyone's going to look back and say, uh, he had the team to win the big 12 and he didn't do it. Um, and they're going to say that because of the win at Alabama and, 
and with Alabama continuing to win, um, they just beat Tennessee. Um, then this is this is the window. This is the time. And the question is, do they have the depth at quarterback to make it happen? And so, um, I think that's what we're measuring them against. I mean, it's we, we we've seen the Big Twelve. We've seen. K-State lose to Oklahoma State and beat the crap out of TCU. We've seen, you know, Kansas uh, lose to Texas and beat, you know, BYU. I don't know. I mean, we it's 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 a Big Twelve that's there for the taking, um, and so I think that's what we're measuring them against. Chip, I think that's a, a really good point on your part. Two parts. One measuring them against the standard that they set for themselves, right? Steve Sarkeesian came out and said that that was the standard. So that's fair. Right. But, and also to your second point, yeah. I mean, it'd be one thing if this big 12 looked as if, you know, there were world beaters all the way around, but that's just not the case. We can go back and look at the Oklahoma game. That one was there for the taking, you know, it's not like there's any team in this league, in this conference that you can say, if, for whatever reason, Texas does not uh, play for a Big 12 title and or win the Big 12 title and say, man, that team was significantly better than Texas. And that would just be another disappointment. So I, I just wanted to you know, kind of emphasize, I think those are two you know, really great points. Yes, while this team hasn't done it, I mean, you can probably say that about, you know, uh, outside of your teams that go back to back, right, Chip? You can say that about <laughs> a lot of teams, right? They, 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 they didn't do it before, but they rose to the occasion and proved on the field and did it right. And um, to the point that you led with, you talk about Michael Griffin talking about that, just the sheer talent at every position. I mean, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, I won't, but there's going to be two, three, potentially four first round picks on this team. I mean, if you start looking at guys like Devondre sweat and Byron Murphy and, you know, I mean, we'll see where JT Sanders kind of falls and in terms of, you know, his situation, Xavier Worthy. I mean, yeah, you can't have even day one or day two, you can't have that type of talent and not have something for it um, at the end of the day. So just kind of want to, you know, say that I, I actually do think, well, sure, it's hard to measure them against something they've never achieved. The talent is certainly there. Yeah. And you look at, you know, you look at a team like BYU. Mm -hmm. And I suffer from UTSD when it comes to BYU. Because, like I said, I was in Provo for the Manny Diaz uh, massacre. I was in DKR for the 41-7, like, bludgeoning the year after the Manny Diaz massacre. And it, it ah, it's been rough, you know? So... I think, you know, I, I don't want to get in. I'm not, I'm not a baseball player. I'm not stupid stitious, but there, there are, you know, I'm thinking, okay, Sarkeesian went to BYU. Surely, I mean, he played with Kalani Sataki, the head coach of the BYU Cougars. Surely he's had a personal interest in what BYU is doing, knows their personnel, knows their, their tendencies better than most, I would hope. Um, 
and it's going to have all the answers. I think that's what Texas fans are hoping that Steve Sarkeesian is sort of the reverse, reverse the curse guy with, with the BYU Cougars. But all I think about is, you know, BYU going to Arkansas and winning and Texas going to Arkansas three years ago and getting uh, curb stomped. So um, that's a tough place to play. It was early in the season. It was an impressive win. And BYU's turnover margin, Eric, is phenomenal. Like, it, it doesn't make sense, honestly. Now, five of those turnovers came against Texas Tech this past Saturday. So that'll help your plus margin. But they're number three in the nation in turnover margin. And they don't turn it over, and they are forcing a lot of turnovers. And that's how they're winning games. It is not with a flashy offense. They don't have – I mean, Keaton Slovis is a fine quarterback. They have good receivers. Um, but they're not making the critical mistake. They don't get penalized. They, you know, they just don't, you know, they don't have a great return game. They don't, they, they just don't beat themselves. And that's, that's the kind of team that scares you. No, no, I, I started to cut you off there. I was going to say, they, like you said, they might not scare you in terms of offensive prowess or, you know, anything like that. They don't beat themselves. They might not beat you in terms of, you know, some high powered attack or some of the flashy on defense, but you know, they won't beat themselves. And that does scare you. I uh, take a look and, you know, even on the defensive side, they're getting contributions from some guys who are, you know, the FCS ranks and even their defense coordinator, Jay Hill coming in from uh, Weber state, you know, he it, it went to the transfer portal as part of, uh, that deal with Kalani Sataki, and they went and got some guys. And it's actually interesting. I'm hoping to uh, have a conversation later this week, have it up on the site with former uh, Sacramento State quarterback Asher O'Hara. Why uh, do I reference that here on the podcast? He played against Jay Hill's defense two years, 2021-2022. So I'm hoping to provide some insight for Horns fans. It's just kind of what to expect from a Jay Hill defense because it's one that, you know, and some of the players spoke about it, Chip. They're going to throw some things out at you. You know, we talked about Houston or they talked about Houston throwing some things out there in terms of, you know, kind of that uh, different looks, especially with the fronts, you know, that they weren't expecting. And they said that, hey, Jay Hill and BYU, they're going to do similar things. So they got to be prepared for it. And I definitely think it's something that will be worth keeping an eye on on Saturday. I do think looking at the glass half full perspective, Chip, this team, this is not to use Steve Sarkeesian's analogy when he talked about quarterbacks. You know, it's an open book test. Um, quite frankly, it should be open book for them as well in terms of the offensive line. How many times, Chip, this year? Go back to game one when they said, hey, you know, we saw some things they didn't see on film. They should be used to this by now. This, it, it, despite the fact that maybe what they're looking at or viewing might not be what they have prepped for on film, there should be enough composure and to quote another Steve Sarkeesianism, trust their training to say, okay, the coaches will make adjustments. What we got to do is hang in there. And that's something that it, it, I, I, I almost hesitate to say if, because I feels like at this point, Chip, it's a when they see things on Saturday that they haven't seen on film, that they'll be able to handle it better than maybe they have. And, and hopefully maybe not even better, Chip, quicker than they have in the previous games 
What's a good coach? Someone who solves problems quickly. And here's the funny thing. OU showed them stuff that they hadn't shown. They showed a Joker defense, which is what Houston also showed. You know, okay, so two teams hit you with stuff they haven't run in the past, but it happens to be the same thing. OU showed you a Joker defense. They moved the buck ends back to linebacker level. Three, you know, three-man front, um, kind of that three-three-five look, and then Houston does it too. Okay, well, you've seen that. You you may not have seen it from Houston on film, but you just saw it against OU. So um, it's look, they've got they got the guys up front. The problem is they don't have a pass rush. I mean, I don't blame Baron Sorrell. Sorrell's the strong side defensive end. He's got to deal with the tight end and you know he's got to set the edge in the run game that weak side defensive end is got to be the guy who's getting you some pass rush they were getting it from ethan burke who got another sack against houston he's now tied with anthony hill for the lead in sacks but now he's hurt he's been playing hurt everyone's like why isn't ethan burke blah 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 well he's had a knee injury for two games now he's aggravated the knee injury and he's out he and Quinn Ewers and Jalen Catalan are in the week-to-week category in Steve Sarkeesian's very nebulous injury report. Um, But, you know, Eric, I think those guys all need to rally around Malik Murphy. And here's my thing on Malik Murphy. Sarkeesian, quarterback whisperer, can always tell people, man, you want to come be with me because I had Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, and Matt Castle all in the same quarterback room. Palmer won the Heisman Trophy. Leiner ended up winning a Heisman Trophy. And Matt Castle never started a game at USC. We got him drafted, and he played 15 years in the NFL. Okay. So what did Sark say today about the quarterback position? We try to make – he talked about it with Lavelle Edwards. When he was at BYU, he makes you feel like you're his guy. He said, and we try to do that. We try to let our quarterback know you're our guy. Okay, what does that mean for Malik Murphy? With Arch Manning sitting right right there. Does that mean he gets the BYU game? Anything short of a three and out-a-thon? I mean, if they're turning it over it's three and out a thon they're behind it's not looking good the whole crowd's like ready to throw up then yeah you probably bring in arch manning see what's going on but if if malik murphy's moving the ball they're probably running it a lot with jonathan brooks i would um you know i think he deserves the byu game to show what he can do what do you think Chip, this was kind of what I hypothesized in my morning article that went out. And it's similar to what I said to you earlier. If the playbook is being severely handicapped in order to make things work for Malik and he's not performing well, then I think you have to make a change. Why? Because you're not just affecting your quarterback at that point. You're affecting playmakers like Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and others, right? If we're having to condense what we do for this quarterback and it's not working, 
you got to make a switch, right? Regardless of whether, um, you know, necessarily Arch has a more expansive, um, you know, kind of role of plays, it doesn't matter because if you've already condensed it, you're again, you're not just hamstringing your quarterback, hamstring your offense. But Chip, anything outside of that, I think you have to give Malik the the for lack of a better phrase, rope. We saw this kid look good in the spring game. We saw while Quinn Ewers did command this quarterback job and win it outright in the spring, there was talk about Malik, you know, still pushing and pushing. And Chip, here's the last thing. And I, I, I am kind of a believer in this, Chip, in my mind. If Arch Manning were going to be named the backup quarterback, it would have been very easy to do that. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Everything that comes with Arch Manning, the pedigree and, you know, the name. And I'm not just saying Arch is a name. I'm just saying in terms of sufficing the all recruit in the nation. Exactly. And sufficing all of the people who have been clamoring for some sort of arch, right? It'd been very easy to say, hey, he had a, he got there, you know, uh, early as an early enrollee and maybe didn't hit the ground running, but guess what? He made up for lost time in the fall and he's our quarterback too. But Steve Sarkeesian has been steadfast that Malik Murphy is the quarterback number two. So that to me says that Malik is doing something in practice while it might not necessarily be better than arch, He's performing at a level that says in conjunction with his experience in the offense and his experience under Sark, this is the backup quarterback. So to bring it all the way back around to your question, anything outside of Malik falling flat on his face. And as I said, if you're having to alter this playbook for Malik and it's not working to where we're now affecting what the rest of our playmakers can do, I think you got to give Malik at least the BYU game and then some. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating. This was sort of the worst case scenario um, for Steve Sarkeesian. The ideal scenario would be that Quinn Ewers plays out of his mind, has a great year, stays healthy, goes and enters the draft. And then next year, Malik Murphy plays, plays out of his mind, leaves, goes to the draft. And then Arch Manning, you know, plays out of, kind of like what they had going at Alabama, you know, with Tua. Mac Jones, Bryce Young, everybody leads their turn, has their great season, goes pro, and the next guy steps up. But now we're in this sort of off-the-grid uh, situation where Steve Sarkeesian's got to make big-time decisions because if you if you make the leash too short for Malik Murphy, he's probably gone. You know, he, he's probably at that point ready to take the NIL money somewhere else and where they are truly committed to him being the number one guy. So um, I think Malik Murphy bet on himself. He thinks that he's the most talented guy on the roster. Now he gets a chance to show it and his teammates are happy for him. They're excited for him. So that's all very intriguing to me. Um all right, listen, we got more. Don't you worry. We're going to have Take It or Leave It coming up next right after this. And if you're watching us on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, make sure you like us. You know what I mean? That'll help with the bosses. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify, YouTube, or I mean, uh, 
iTunes, you know, keep our bosses uh, from breathing down our necks. You know what I mean? I mean, we're just saying. How about a little right th- It's right there, Chip. Subscribe. Help us out subscribe. a little. Subscribe. Just subscribe for crying out loud. Subscribe, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to Horns 24-7. You won't regret it. You'll have a great time. It's always entertaining. Our incredible, highly dysfunctional, highly lovable Horns 24-7. Uh, family. So, Eric, with that being said, it's time for some take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Put you on the hot seat, put me on the hot seat, and ask those five-star questions that if we get it right, we win the day. If we get it wrong, our fans will come back and tell us what idiots we truly are. And that's why we love take it or leave it. Chip, before we jump in, and I feel like you should jump in because I feel like I had you on the hot seat last time, so you should start. But I want to ask you this. Did you and Taylor ever keep track of these? Like, should we start keeping track of these just yeah, to check ourselves? <laughs> yeah, we need to. Every Everything, every, we can do, you know, like Colin Coward has, where, our, <laughs> where we were right, where we were wrong. We need we, to. We, we will, All we right. will start, starting this week. We will, Chip. Go ahead. All right. Eric, this is Perfect first question for you. You seem to have a lot of intel on these BYU kooks, the 25-year-old missionaries, I call them. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Eric, which BYU, or I think we, since it's a take it or leave it, I'll just say, the BYU team that will show up in Austin is the one that beat Arkansas on the road, not the team that lost to TCU by 30. Take it or leave it. I am taking it, it being the one that beat Arkansas. Do I think BYU is going to beat Texas? No. But there's something about this team, something about this matchup 
that chip, I think it's been a combination of a couple of things. One, it would not surprise me if we've talked about how much this team wants it for Malik Murphy. If they're pressing just a little bit in the early on, that wouldn't surprise me. And then also, as I mentioned, I'm really looking forward to getting this article up. Uh, I spoke with former Sacramento State quarterback Asher O'Hara. He gave me some great insight on kind of what Jay Hill likes to do and, and what he saw um, defensively. I hope and I expect, because I don't think that a former FCS quarterback is any more of a quarterback genius than Steve Sarkeesian and A.J. Milwee, I'm sure that they will uh, prep Malik Murphy. I hope they do, but I, it's it's a tricky defense to play against. And we just have had you know weeks of... Texas's offense maybe take a little while to get their stride. So I, I don't think this is going to be uh, a game that resembles the Baylor game or maybe even one that resembles the Kansas game. I think Texas wins, but I don't think it's going to be the team that lost by TCU at uh, or lost at TCU by 30 chip. What says you? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take it that it's the team that showed up at Arkansas and, and won. 38-31, and, and it's not going to be the BYU team that went to Fort Worth and lost 44-11. Uh, um, I, first of all, have already admitted during this episode of the Flagship Podcast that I have UTSD because I covered the BYU game in 2011, 2013, and 2014. Um the BYU game in 2011 caused Garrett Gilbert to transfer. Okay. They won the game and it caused him to transfer because the fans were booing him. Um, and it was a nightmare. Um, the, they got pistol whipped in 2013 and 2014. Now Taysom Hill was the quarterback Keaton's and he ran like, you know, crazy legs, you know, the galloping ghost. I don't know, but pick your favorite running quarterback um, or running back period. That's how he ran. But Keaton Slovis is not going to run just like Malik Murphy's not going to run. Anyone who thinks Malik Murphy is a running quarterback picture Byron Leftwich. Okay. Picture Jameis Winston. He's not a running quarterback. He is a grip it and rip it pocket passer but this i just i'm just telling you i'm hoping sarkeesian as a byu cougar who played with kalani sataki has some secret sauce for this game surely he's not going to be embarrassed at home by his alma mater but uh yeah, I'm going to take it that this is the BYU team that uh, showed up and beat Arkansas. All right. A little quick on, on the trigger there. Apologies there, Chip. No, it's all right. It's right. Staying with the topic of Malik Murphy. Take it or leave it. In his first career start, he's throwing for at least 200. Two TDs, CB. What you got? Take it or leave it. You know what? I am buying the Malik Murphy mojo, swag, moxie, confidence. He bet on himself by staying at Texas. 
I'm betting on him to throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns in this game, maybe more. What if he throws for five touchdowns? Ooh, that would be something. Um, the most touchdowns Quinn Ewers has thrown for in a game this season, three. Yeah, I'll give Malik Murphy. I think he's going to hit a couple deep balls, Eric Henry. With that cannon, Xavier Worthy was asked, can he outthrow you? <laughs> Worthy said, I hope not. But we know this dude can throw it 83 yards in the air. So that's pretty impressive. Um, I'm going to take this, Eric Henry. What say you? Chip, really quick. I, I will say this on the podcast. If Malik Murphy throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, the next car trip that uh, we share, that means we have to listen to nothing but YG and Nipsey Hustle in honor of Malik Murphy. Because if that swag brings him to 300 yards and three tutties, we could certainly use it as well. To the question, take that it or leave. We're it. driving to Fort Worth. Yeah, we, <laughs> we're driving. Listening. To nothing to Nipsey, YG and YG. Nipsey. We can't throw a little Dre and. Oh, we, we can we, we can throw a little, little Dre and Snoop and okay. you know we can, we can throw a little something. I mean, if we got to go Cali, we got to go Cap. Most definitely, little Tupac, little little, little Pac. Um, Chip, I'm taking it. I I I I am buying what the players are telling me. And to your point, I mean, it's not that Quinn Ewers doesn't have a strong arm. I mean, Quinn Ewers certainly does. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see what the deep ball may look like with Malik Murphy. We know some of the deep ball struggles that Texas had last year. Uh, they haven't necessarily carried over to this year. They have have hit a couple, but still not as many as I'm sure Steve Sarkeesian and company would have liked. I'm curious to see. You got John Tay Cook is seeing a rise in snaps. We all know he's a 4-2 guy. You got Xavier Worthy. He's certainly a 4-2 guy. Just curious to see. Um, but I do believe that he can reach those numbers. So I am taking it, Chip. What if Malik Murphy throws for five touchdowns in this game <laughs> what all right if, 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 if he throws for five the boards are going to be insane continue eric the texas defense has given up more than 20 the last two weeks after being pretty stingy to start the season only alabama uh had surpassed the 20 point mark through the first five games of the season. Take it or leave it. The Texas defense holds BYU to under 20 points. Chip, unfortunately, I am leaving this one. Here's why. If this, were a, if this were a healthy defense, I'd feel a type of way. I'd feel very confident. But, man, I need to see... Jalen Catalan back. I need to see Ryan Watts back. I, you know, Ethan Burke, that's probably looking like eh, we're not going to see him. Where's Chris I, I, Ross for Chris out loud? Who would have thunk we'd be saying, where's Chris Ross as no, a pass rusher? No doubt about it, CB. Um, I mean, A. Hill, seeing yeah, a rise. Okay. He, go, yes, sir. Sorry. No, go, no, for go it. ahead. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll finish up quick. I'll let you have your answer. Then I'll, I'll finish up quick. Um, this defense has been really banged up. So until I can see with my own two eyes, A, who's going to be out there and them kind of perform, 
and not look like they're hampered, I don't feel confident taking that shit. Floor is yours. Listen, I have UTSD, so I'm not taking it either. But UTSD when it comes to BYU. But here's my hope. They were using Anthony Hill to spy Donovan Smith. And that Donovan Smith didn't make anything with his legs. Nothing. So mission accomplished. They Houston's running game didn't make anything on the ground. Mission accomplished. But Anthony Hill's their best pass rusher. I need him on the edge. I need him shooting gaps. I need him getting after Keaton Slovis. I should have. I'm just going to say it right now. I think Anthony Hill gets two sacks in this game. Unleash Anthony Hill on Keaton Slovis. Um, you know what? I'm changing my answer. Look at me. Okay. I'm going to say Texas defense holds BYU under 20 points. I'm going to take it. Okay. They're going to hold them to 17 points. Two touchdowns and yeah. a field goal. Yep. Two touchdowns and a field goal. Anthony Hill, maybe even a strip sack as one of his two sacks in this game. Because here's what I think, Eric. I don't have to worry about Keaton Slovis running around. I can send the house after this guy. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring more pressure than I've brought in any game this season. And take my chances. I'm at home. I don't like my safety play right now if I don't have Jalen Catalan. And Jaron Thompson's doing this. And Derek Williams is my best cover safety. I need to bring the heat. So I say Pete Kwiatkowski brings the heat, gets to Keaton Slovis. A Hill sacks him a couple times. Maybe Byron Murphy gets a sack. But Texas holds BYU under 20 points. Even if Texas has to win this game 17-16 like they did in 2011, take it and run. Because then here comes Kansas State, which just beat TCU 41-3. to Will Howard looked good. Avery Johnson, not that Avery Johnson, looked good. Not Timmy? Timmy? No, not that Avery Johnson. It's time. Texas needs to start going, doing this again. Because the last two weeks, they've been doing this. Eric? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, CB. No doubt about it. All right. Listen, everybody, thanks for uh, playing along. Thanks for spending some time with us here on the flagship podcast. Sort of looking back at the uh, win that felt like a loss over Houston. And the showdown with BYU featuring Malik Murphy and possibly Arch Manning at quarterback. Quinn Ewers out with a shoulder injury. Uh, For Eric Henry, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.